What is happening, everybody? Welcome to episode 15 of The Main Stand. I'm here today, as always, with Josh and Mitchell, and we're joined by a very special guest, uh, someone we've talked about getting on the pod a lot over these past few weeks here. Uh, finally cut some time out of his very busy schedule oh, to come man. chat shit with us for an hour. Uh, we've got Sebastian Pettit with us here today. Guys, uh, Sebastian, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Wait, before he does that, guys, Bass finally put his friends first before work. Oh, boo. <laughs> yeah, boo. All right. How are we doing, guys? It's good to be here. <laughs> Love you all and am blessed to join you in holy podcasting matrimony here today. It's going to be magic you here today, I feel it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to yeah. be great. It's going to be phenomenal. What, what? Uh, I guess, start us off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and uh, who you support, why you support them. All right. Well, I uh, have been a Chelsea supporter for, for quite some time now, for most of my childhood and adult life, and have always, as long as I've pretty much been playing, have, have looked up to the to the main players in the team, team throughout uh, – throughout history but it doesn't really you know doesn't really tie me to one league or one team i love a lot of you know a lot of clubs across the world enjoy you know enjoy mls the revolution it's great to see what they're doing and i know we'll talk about mls today a lot of cool stuff there this season um i enjoy what's left of, of Werder bremen in germany they're uh a bit down right now but to say the least but uh that um and then italian ball being what it is i still enjoy some ac milan here there so um but i do uh i do broadcasting a lot both on um online on twitch and then with usm where i went to school and where i work now um men's and women's um in the fall and then plenty of other sports throughout the year so it's a uh it's a blessing to be able to work in in sport in some fashion and you know get to use my brain and what i love which is this which is this sport and kind of turn it into something good you know yeah we'd love to see it and you know this isn't just a random guess we all know each other know each other before if i can talk today um mitch and pat have known you what since you guys were all little wee lads yeah 16 17 years old yeah, something something last and i have a really funny friendship story started on twitter and then like i think i got him to play indoor soccer with us one year and then convinced him to transfer schools his senior year of high school <laughs> And then we've just been we've just been homies ever since, even though yeah. he's a, a filthy fucking Chelsea supporter. I am through and through. Agent yeah, Pat. and I uh, I got to know Bass. I was a year at year or two ahead of Pat, and then a year ahead of Bass. I know that in school, and uh, I didn't actually really get to know Bass until college like really get to know bass right. he started he started sleeping on my couch we uh we deemed him our dorm room dog he was our pet life's and, hard man. and we actually had a whiteboard up in my dorm room with our tallied total of head-to-head fifa like like record. months months plus long this this, <laughs> la- this lasted my my sophomore and junior year of college like, while multiple, i was living on campus multiple fifa titles long i think it started in fifa 12 or 13 and ran up to 15 or 16 ha- i think it was the time this was, yeah this was a long time uh so bass and i outside of of soccer have gotten to know each other really well 
he's he's like my little brother and we're extremely excited to have him on the pod this week ton of stuff happened this weekend i need to give my bass story too because mine's pretty decent oh okay 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 i'm getting ahead of myself so i knew bass directly through mitch uh I knew Mitch before going to college, and that's directly how I met Bass. We met up to at a re-raw in Portland to watch Liverpool-Chelsea. And that day, Jordan Henderson hit a bomb against that lizard Courtois. Yeah. Great day. Uh, I, I didn't hear you lie about anything there. <laughs> <laughs> now you can get into it, Mitch. Now we can get into it. We had a ton of stuff happen this weekend, boys. A big, big weekend back in the Premier League. Um, I guess we can start with the MLS because that's kind of how we usually have been kicking things off. Josh, tough weekend for the Loons. I thought they had it, man. I, I did too. They, they scored that first goal, and I was like, yes, holy shit, they're going to do it. And then it was they were playing at Seattle, and it was just inevitable. Right, and then the second half happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, full transparency. I didn't watch the game. This real looks real plastic of me. I was at I was at Thanksgiving out Fake of my control, fan. and on our way back, second half had no service. That's what life is like out here in Minnesota. So uh, that's what I'm going to blame it to. But I was fully transparent. Didn't watch the game. Uh, it does suck that my first season as an MLS supporter is over, though. I didn't expect them to win, and Tyler Miller being out surely did not help us. Uh, St. Clair. I don't think it hurt you though. I really don't think it hurt you watching St. Clair. He, none of the goals were his fault. Not like it was, it was, they were goals that Mm -hmm. were just inevitable. And I don't think, I don't think it happened. I don't think it was on St. Clair at all. Obviously having COVID is going to take you out of the game. Um, And this was a game time decision. I think his results came in like, 12 hours before kickoff if that um so i mean the loons played a really good game for for a low seed going into a game so tough against an established club like the timbers it's honestly i feel like i feel like it's almost the anfield of the mls where it's just such a crazy fan atmosphere it's so established it's been there for years and and it's just a, a different culture than the rest of the MLS. Um and I, I think the Loons went out and, and put on a very solid performance. I think they should have um at least forced some some extra time. Uh, but it wasn't on the goalkeeper at all. It was just Portland went out and won the game. The yeah, Loons and, and- if I go back and look at the goals, you know, maybe I'll, I'll agree with you after that. You know, Tyler yeah. Miller is one of the best keepers in the MLS. I still think yes. losing him probably impacts the game a little bit. I'm happy Fragapane got a goal. Usually the Loons are a team that starts out slow and kind of builds throughout. So to see him start off and, uh, you know, snag a 1-0 lead was nice to see. A lot of work to do in Minnesota, though. It was a great first season supporting them. You know, I think it's a real class MLS franchise. Uh, you know, it has a culture of fans. It has a great environment, great stadium. A lot of the things that are just foundations of, you know, a good club, especially here in America. I'm excited to keep supporting them. Uh, now it's time to fire Adrian Heath and send him back to fucking Everton. <laughs> yeah, yeah Send him back. But, you know, that is the way of the road. That's a, as a Rebs fan, we can talk about having – 
not great coaches uh, and yes. then falling into gold that is uh, Bruce Arena. So, like, how did that even come to be? Like, uh, Bruce, he, like, stopped coaching the men's national team at, like, the exact moment we needed a new coach, right? And he's like, I like red, white, and blue. Let me go here. They have an American flag crayon logo. I mean, there. And now it's just like, you know, I did not like you for the men's national team, but bless what you've done for my New England revolution. Yeah. Uh, so the Reds kick off against New York City FC on Tuesday this week. Mitchell will be there. Um, so maybe maybe follow along the Instagram. Maybe Mitchell get a little bit of content while he's there. But I'll throw uh, some pictures up. I, I'm going by myself this time. Um, te- technically by myself. Uh, we've got some mutual friends that I will be picking up on my way down uh, and meeting me there. Uh, unfortunately, the the Fort tickets have all sold out, so they'll not be sitting with me. Um, but uh, we will be able to be there and experience it together. Um, New York City FC uh, moving moving past Atlanta. The, that Atlanta side looked flat. This yeah, weekend. but that New York side looks good. They look very like good. Caught right at the right time. And like the, any format of sport that you have playoffs to determine – you know, like who ultimately is like the winner of your league as opposed to like how the Premier League is just like 38 games, the most consistent team wins it. In in this format, getting hot when they got hot, they're scary coming in. in They are. They look so good against Atlanta. Um, Obviously, Atlanta's a good side. They are the most expensive side in the MLS, have put the most money into their club. I I think the – what is it like 38 million dollars in their front three maybe something like that and martinez obviously coming off of uh of an injury um he he looked flat i don't know it wasn't atlanta's game to win uh at the end of the day and uh the revs will be taking on new york city fc how do you feel about that game mitch how how are we feeling i'm nervous i'm nervous watching watching new york city um and and them having a game in in the last almost month the yeah, revs are going to be sitting off for 23 days yeah. 23 days with no games no competition so they're going to need to dig deep and find something i think um gustavo Bo signing on uh, uh a new contract is going to be huge for the revs mm-hmm. i think uh carl's gill getting the recognition he deserves for comeback player of the year and matt uh, Miss- don't forget matt turner and we have matt we have matt turner and net goalie of the year um this is a very strong rev side i i am nervous i think that's um that's a given with taking that much time off from playing mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i think the revs have the tools necessary to go out and get the job done i'm excited to be there I'll be heading down probably a little bit early. Um, I think uh, I think our friend Steve uh, is getting out of work early, so I'll be heading down as early as possible. Um, it's a seven thirty kickoff, so it's going to be a late night for your boy with a with three hour drive back um, after after the game. But um, well worth it, and I'll be there December fourth or fifth. Should the Revs not should when the Revs beat new york city fc this uh this upcoming tuesday tuesday at 7 30 what the fuck is that yeah it's a tough playoff time for, soccer, baby. For playoff mos game i don't know i don't know what i don't know what they're thinking but um i definitely feel positive about 
about this game uh, six days from now. And, you know, you go back and look at the regular season. They play three times, once each at their home stadium. You know, Revs took care of business pretty pretty handily at home and then in at NYC in Yankee Stadium, which, you know, a lot – I mean, if you go through every – Every away team's MLS, you know, any team on Twitter, it's all full of complaints about going to going to play Yankee Stadium. It's, Yankee Stadium's the smallest legal field you can have. Yes, yep. and like it's it's a box. It's you know, it's the size of my you know, almost the size of my high school field. And you know, it's uh, it is interesting to see because like you have to play differently there. It's, it, there's no doubt in my mind you have to play differently there. They lose two nothing in that stadium and. You know, that's one of the, you know, few losses that that team endured with or without its stars. The third time they played was it actually at Red Bull Arena. The Revs win it 3-2. So, you know, not not at home, but it's a win. So they've won away from home and at home against this team. But they have lost to them. They know how to lose to them. New York City knows how to beat them. So, you know, you do have to carry that that with you. I don't know the situation of that two nothing who was available who played who didn't but you know you have you have to feel really good about bruce arena being your coach you know he shows up with a handful of mls championships already he knows how to navigate the, he knows how to navigate the mls playoffs he's beaten the revs in the final twice three times maybe i don't want to talk about it but yeah you're right right and, but it's important to talk about because it's never felt better than it has right now to be yeah, if, ever, if there was to be ever going to be a year the team. Rebs were going to get their first one, it was going to be this season, like 100%. Um, They're way better than 2014. And, like, you know, we can talk about the 2014 run and, like, Farrell's yeah. rookie year and how talented players were. Speaking Farrell. of soccer and, and college dorms, I remember sitting on my couch with Bass watching that game. Yep. Like, it was Dog gutting. It was gutting. The Revs have come so close so many times. 0-4 in MLS Cup Final. And and right now, having – I mean, Bass, you make an impeccable point. Having Bruce Arenas as your manager, as your head coach, feels good. You have to put that trust there because as, a, as an international manager, you're used to taking time off and not having your squad ready and not being able to play games with them. Yeah. He has them there. They're running through their paces. They're doing what they need to do to get ready for this game. Obviously team A playing team B is not going to do anything in a, in a scrimmage. It's not going to do anything to get you prepared for another starting 11 side from New York city FC. But I think Bruce arenas out of every manager in the MLS is going to be the guy to have the revolution prepared for this amount of time off. I don't think it's you, – you don't see this in in other American sports. You don't see this in basketball. You don't see this in baseball, football, et cetera, where a team is taking almost a month off before playing their first playoff game. It's unheard of. So I think the Revs need – they, they realize that, they know that, and they're going to go out and get the job done. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm nervous for it. I, uh, I'm giving New York City FC the credit they deserve. Um, after watching the performance they just uh, put out against uh, Atlanta and, and the performances they've had coming up into the, the playoff push. Um, but I, I do ultimately think the Revs will get the job done on Tuesday night, and I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic to be there. And then yeah, – I think it'll be like a 2-1. That's, that's my, uh, my ultimate Pats prediction. I'm, I'm saying 3-2. 
I'm saying three, two. I like the one goal differential, but I, I think, I don't know. It's, it's, there's more space for both teams to go out and play. Um, I think New York will, uh, I guess New York, New York is going to have a, an adjustment coming onto this pitch. It's a lot more space. So we'll see how things go. Speaking of adjustments, how about Man United now getting ready to get used to life without Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Um, I want to say RIP Ole. Thank you for all of the good memories. Thank you for the banter. Thank you for everything you provided us as fans of rival clubs. Uh, you will be solely, you'll, you'll be dearly missed by, by all of us. And uh, I think you deserved a little more time. I think we Clearly. all agree with that. I think Gary Neville thought the same thing as well. Yeah, so Ross Coleman, he wanted to give him the contract like three games in. Um, so I, I guess that's probably a good place to start is, so why did they wait so long? Why did he keep getting chances? Like, I mean, we can talk about the fact that he would have like a bad run and then like bail himself out with a big win. Like you can think back to like, that knockout win against PSG in the Champions League a couple of years ago, and then like that big derby win against City in the league to like just stop us from winning the league it didn't really do anything in in hindsight. And then um, that win against Liverpool, right? They beat you guys a couple of years ago. Like a couple of like one-off wins against big clubs, like kind of saved his job, but like ultimately wouldn't this rebuild have been easier if they just sacked him last year and brought in Conte who was available yeah right that that is the easier option they just in you know they had to kind of wait a few more weeks uh just because of the situation at hand of there not really being anyone available right now everyone's kind of occupied at another club in reality losing to your biggest rival at home five nils probably the game you should get sacked with any team i i think even if there isn't someone if it ultimately just came down to losing a few more games and then appointing michael carrick as your interim manager they should have done it after the liverpool one because that was when things started to get real gross for man united well then and if they City were went out and embarrassed them at old trafford too and then they got exactly. embarrassed by watford another week later so if if your whole plan was just to do it after you lost a few games, then put Carrick in charge until you find a new manager. I don't see why they wouldn't have just done that a couple weeks ago. Uh, they went out and won against Villarreal in the midweek. So uh, who knows? Maybe they'll have a little bit of resurgence with um, Ole gone. That, that midweek win, the win against Villarreal yesterday, that, that really just felt like, you know, it felt like Ole was still their coach, though. Like they looked pretty meh. And then they got bailed out by a late Ronaldo goal, and then they scored one more, like, right at the end. Yeah, like, San Sancho caught kind of, like, Mr. Irrelevant goal of the year, scoring in, like, the 91st minute with, like, 10 yeah, seconds it, left. It, it, it felt like Ole was still the coach. So I think until they bring someone real in, um, the club is still going to be funny. And uh, that being said, the the, the – sorry, wow. Uh, the words from Ten Hag sound like he's kind of dismissing his links there – Poch said he's happy at PSG. And if you're Pochettino, you know, I get it. Man United are a big club and whatever. But if you're Pochettino and you're taking that Man United job over PSG right now, you are a lunatic. Mm -hmm. You have to be. I mean, the I, I think it almost boils down to the ownership, the front office. 
PSG is a little bit more organized. They know what they're doing. And I think there's a lot more questions at United in their ownership and what they're willing to let you get away with. I mean, also, Pochettino gets the coach, Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar. But on the same coin, you get Ronaldo at United with fucking... <laughs> you get Messi fucking sick. You get Ronaldo and McTominay. <laughs> You're, McTominay, I mean, you get Sancho. You get fucking Bruno Fernandez. There's, there's key pieces sitting at United in a position that they shouldn't be in. Those players should be getting better. They should be winning games. They should have some sort of semblance. And at the end of the day, it is on coaching staff. It is on Ole. He is the manager. He is the one working with them week in, week out. And if this is the product we're getting with players like Jaden Sancho, Bruno Fernandez, R- Cristiano Ronaldo, Harry Maguire, what is the deal? So right. we're going to have to see what plays out over the next couple of weeks we're going to have to see who opens up as as a managerial target. If Ten Hag is happy where he's at, if Poch is happy where he's at, I, I honestly, like, personally, like, Poch has done his time in the Prem. Let him go give PSG a chance. Let him have his time there. He hasn't been there long enough to say, yeah, I'm coming right back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the helm of United. I just don't know if there's a candidate at the managerial position right now that fits United, that fits every fucking clusterfuck that's going on there. I just don't see it. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with what what Mitch is saying in a way, but for, for these for these managers, it's a different career ideology than a player. Like a player wants to be at the top of their game. The player wants to do the best they can at the club they're at, provide, win trophies, and if not, find something else. Whereas if you're a coach, you are you are building, trying to win things. You know, you're at PSG. PSG is a good place to be, but the only chat there's one challenge in front of you, and it's the Champions League, and it's elusive. And you should want to, you should want to win that. You should. That's the thing you should ascend to. But over here we have we have a mess we have a mess in manchester for sure and that's you know we can say you, get, we, you know you can say obviously uh this that the other thing but it's not as it's way worse than it should or needs to be and i think if you are a person who wants to consider yourself a top manager that there is opportunity there but it can go it can go horribly wrong and it has for a lot of very strong, popular names in the last, I don't know, what are we at now? Eight years? Like, since Fergie, yeah. yeah. Like Fergie leaves. Nine, it's been nine years since Ferguson. So it's been nine years since he left. And when that happened, and David Moyes was at Everton, we all, you know, and not all of us, like obviously we dislike Everton, like certain people yeah, dislike fuck Everton. Everton. Da- people looked at David Moyes and said, that guy can be a top top manager not necessarily at united but just in general and then he went there and it was like he's like yo okay what is happening but but look at the success moise is having now right look at what he's doing now so if we look at that if that's a great point you just brought up if we look at that what is the common denominator 
Well, managing a fucking club ownership. Way yes, it's the club. It's, well, it's, hold on, hold on. Managing a club like United is way different than managing a club like Everton or West Ham. Yep. Like I get you that. Liverpool, you manage City, you manage Chelsea. Like those are the like top top clubs. Yes, right now. Like, they are the elite clubs. I you, get that. It's different. It's way different managing I, a club like that. I understand it's different, but the tools that he had at his disposal were impeccable, much like all, much like all. And it still couldn't happen. It still didn't work. Van Gaal, same thing. He's a fantastic manager, but when you come into United, the shit hits the fan. And I don't get like, how can you look at that and say it's on the manager, it's on the players? Clearly, there is something going on with the Glaziers that is causing this to happen. Well, there has to be something behind you know, the scenes I, consistently bundling managers at United. I like agree, but I don't because it's not like managers haven't gotten signings. They haven't like – they've gotten players they've wanted. They've gotten backing like – it just feels like it's not like obviously I think Man United would be better under owners that are like gonna care about the club a little bit more and like consistently right. put money into this club. But it's not like they didn't give Mourinho a guy who's like widely regarded as one of the best managers ever. Like a, a, a they didn't they gave him a hundred million dollar Pogba and a one hundred million dollar Lukaku uh, Sanchez. They signed him players and he still got sacked a year and a half later. So what is it? Is it him or is it the 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 ownership expectations of the manager not getting like that pressure that they're putting on whoever it may be? Like, is that what is causing them to crack? I don't know because, if it's the ownership pressure. I think it's just the pressure of managing Man United. They haven't found that guy who can handle that level. But of that pressure that pressure's there at Chelsea. That that pressure's there any. Any top six club that you go to in the Premier League, that pressure is going to be there. But so but Chelsea wasn't Chelsea and City and like these new clubs specifically. When you mentioned Chelsea and City, even though Chelsea go through like a mad cycle of managers, they're like a funny story too. But they were never regarded as literally the biggest and best right. club in the world, like Man yes. United are. There's like an extra like level of pressure that a lot of these There's managers a layer to the onion manage that club are getting. And I think that's where a lot of it is coming into is like they they find these guys that are like good coaches and Man United, just like the club as a whole, is just breaking them. Yes, I agree with that. My two cents on the whole thing is that Man United needs a transformational leader, not someone that's transactional. You can't blame it on the, the owners because you look at the summer they just had. They signed Veron, Sancho, and Ronaldo. Uh, but Man United fans still like to break out their little fucking yellow and green scarves and chant Glazers out. They've been well-backed. Ole was well-backed. It's on Ole. They need a transformational guy, but they're never going to get a transformational guy because no transformational manager like Ten Hag wants to go to a club that's run like an international business because United is the most business-run football club in the world because it is one. But no manager wants to go do that when they're trying to build a project, make people believe, inspire people. People like right. Klopp and Guardiola. And that's why Man United's getting these like mediocre guys because those are the only guys willing to accept that project. Um, and then when they get there, they just can't get enough out of the players. 
and the deadwood that was there left behind from the the past manager yeah and 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 that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense in a way and i think that you know in describing what you just described josh it like it does spin back to the glaciers because it's like so no manager is going to come here that is truly transformational but what is the one reason why it's not the players these guys aren't like like Mourinho or not even like like Mourinho is a great example because they brought in they brought in the players he said this is what I want and they said okay and then you know it, the trophy didn't fall down from a tree the next day so you know it, it, people got mad but you know if you look if you look now like you know Ten Hag possibly out and like I think out of all the people that have been named as candidates for this job Ten Hag is the most intelligent in this moment the the, the strongest like he's got you know he's got Ajax playing the way that he's that they are they're top of their group they are you know the first team I think to go through or one of them and you know he can sit back and play bullshit lineups for two back-to-back Champions League games and focus on getting 20 points up in the league so that the only thing that matters in April is their quarterfinal or March is their quarterfinal and you know it's it's you know he has that luxury of being in in Amsterdam playing in you know two maybe a third competition I don't know what their domestic cup is really like over there but you know it's hard to find somebody when you've gone through a half dozen managers who previously were assumed to be at a top level and then hired in a club legend like you just saw Chelsea do and fail and and it's like you know and that's a harsh criticism on my part because you can, you know, you could sit there and argue for, you know, maybe a month that, you know, look at what Chelsea did last year. Was it really all a failure in the end or was he just the byproduct to get us to Thomas Tuchel? So that's the thing is like, did United have a bigger plan when they hired Ole and it just fell through and they didn't want to admit it? Because like they hire, you know, Moyes, Van Hall, Mourinho. Like these are all guys that are, you know, assumed to be oh this guy's going to be here for years this is the start of something new they hired all and i was like man like it feels like when we hired lampard and you know thought okay he's going to rebuild the club and like focus on youth for a year and a half and two years and you know then we're gonna we're gonna buy someone new like i thought we were gonna have potch before he went to psg i thought we were gonna go lampard to potch and i was like and you know i was kind of miserable about it and then sugel came along and you know i'm obviously a person like me has been not very positive towards PSG with the history they and Chelsea have had over the past years in Champions League and you know things on the pitch and stuff like that but you know I think for United right now Poch is the is the best way out um, to put it shortly because I think Ten Hag's not coming and you know I don't think you you know I don't think you stick with Carrick longer than you know keeping somebody there until someone good Mm -hmm. shows up but I don't I still am not 100% on board with firing all when you knew that you're not really going to have anyone right this second you know well I think maybe getting him out lets you think about the rebuild faster I guess and you know you get that new manager bounce kind of thing I don't know he just like wasn't literally wasn't working like thinking about the rebuild for a decade well okay you're right you're right I'm it also doesn't say- do much when you keep Carrick and Phelan in charge those two are literally the dumbest 
tacticians possibly in England. And it, once the new manager gets here, they need to do a complete... I think it's like the mid-management. And like the people... Ed Woodward, I think, is a huge reason why United have failed you know, year over year. Getting that whole regime out of like ex-United players who have just stuck around, I think is super important. When yeah, we need to behead Rio Ferdinand. That'll <laughs> solve it. Wait, was oh, that man. not the... Was that not the path we were going on, Josh? No, we're not putting Rio in the guillotine. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about Zidane here. That ain't happening. <laughs> that is... Why is the name thrown in the mix, though? So that people can lose money gambling on it? <laughs> well, they wanted him before. <laughs> so Vegas wins. Before. Responsible betting. <laughs> Yeah, Josh, what's the Rick's pick on that? Uh, so last week we went five for eight. But if you throw in the two articles I put in on my Twitter, Canadian Championship Final and Liverpool Porto, we actually went six for nine. Right. So wow. we're going to go comfortable 66. We going seven for 10 or six for 10? <laughs> is United going, it's United getting Zidane or not? Probably three for 10. <laughs> I I don't know like it, I can kind of see it but I kind of can't I mean if we're all like just gonna throw a name out that we think they're gonna get I like I genuinely think it's between Potch or Brendan Brendan Rogers I think those would be the two I would be the least surprised to see go go to Man United I don't think anything's happening until the summer though if Brendan Rogers goes to United that's the restart of the rebuild <laughs> we know he's willing to take the bait and do it. <laughs> He's going to want to go in there, play a 3-4-3, and that's going to be it. I I don't think Rodgers is the right fit for United. Sitting here watching him as a Liverpool supporter, I know time changes. Um, he's doing okay things right now. Um, yeah, Leicester aren't great at the moment. With Leicester, but it's, it's, not, it's not a place I think Rodgers is fit to manage. Uh, and I think that'll just make the situation worse. I don't know. United is a fucking dumpster fire right now. It, it's bad. It's bad. Honestly, without them winning trophies, I do almost miss the way that it used to be. Like with that, you know, early 2010s when there were potentially six teams in September that could all win, and United was one of them, and I had to, I had to hate it, and I had to... Like, like we play United this weekend, and I honestly think it's a it's a huge trap game. And I know we're gonna get to picks, predictions, whatever. It's a huge trap game, and I and I worry about it because it's like so obvious. It's so ob- it's way too obvious, and it's like, you know, you almost miss it, like the chase of like having to deal with these guys. And it's like, you know, I don't like, I don't want to see them become, you know, what at like I'm trying to think of like a good example, but like. You know, in the night, what Blackburn in the nineties. You know, you know, biggest. Did you say you wouldn't like that. I personally would adore it. Nottingham Forest in the eighties. Well, yeah, you, you know, you, you were in. It wasn't that long ago that your club were finishing in ninth, and it was like, uh. Yeah, but we improved. They're just steady dropping. I think it's impossible for them to stay down for forever. Well, yeah, obviously they're going to find the right fit. It's Man United, but I think there's a lot of changes that are going to come. I think they need to get fully out of their banter era before they can really get into 
like finding their next replacement and yeah, they gotta want to commit to somebody for more than than two years they did with they gave all like three and it just didn't work i mean we're only five years removed from our cringe years like that's the that's the thing people like forget to talk about like this this clop transition has happened so fast Yo. so relentlessly like we had brendan rogers five years ago do you guys remember when Steven Gerrard's last Premier League game was capped off with a 5-0 loss to Stoke? Shut the fuck up. Why do you have to talk? I do remember that, by the way. Just making sure that you knew I remembered that, because I do. And you remember his first game of the Premier League as a manager? He won 2-0. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea Cringera only lasted 14 months. Blessed be my soul. <laughs> yeah, Lampard out, am I right? Well, no, not even that. That's not even cringe. Cringe era was end end of Mourinho, beginning of uh, fuck, fuck face, goose hitting. Uh, and that was bad. We finished 10th. We were in 16th when Mourinho got fired, and it was just like, you know, I honestly had to have some numbers on speed dial for Bass when, when that shit was going down. Ter- <laughs> was terrorism like, balls over the top to Hazard was, was the mantra for a year. And it made him want to leave the club, which sucks because he would be probably a top five player in the world, undoubtedly, if he stayed at the club. It beat Spurs and won Leicester a title, though, so that's cool. Yeah. You wouldn't have Captain America. All right, so that was talking Man United. Um, that club is a disaster. I'm really looking forward to, I guess, seeing what happens with them. I do – okay, so banter aside, I do hope they get a decent coach in and can make the Premier League. It's compete. only good for football. It, it is time, only good. At the same time, it'd be really funny if they just never, ever fixed it. Anyway. Yeah, uh, and instead of six teams at the top, we have three teams at the top all with the best wingbacks in the world right now. Right. The the next piece of house. Do you guys think there's just one little addition? Do you guys think there's odds for Sir Alex Ferguson to return? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I've thought to. about it and it, I I wish. I wish because it would it would arise a lot of curiosity and the dude is there so much to this day at that stadium. It's like, man, like you're here already like you're in people's ears there's no way you're there's no way you're not talking to ronaldo every day it would be funny i know this man i i I suffered for years watching this man do his job thinking that he controlled stoppage time i used to think this man owned had a copyright on stoppage time and i think it would i don't know if it would work but I think if he came in for the rest of the season and he was the one that picked the manager when there was one available that he thought was worthy, I think that it improves the name of the club in a lot of ways. And I think it, like... Remember the last guy he picked? He he picked, he handpicked Moyes. Let me reach into this bag here. I'm going to get David Moyes. You know, if you reach into a bag a hundred times in your life, <laughs> and, you, and you pick out you picked out David Moyes the one the one time the the one time you you were done you picked out David Moyes and it was the wrong pick. 
<laughs> he waited. He did wait thirty years to make the wrong, to make a wrong decision. Really, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know. United are a mess. Uh, the again, the the last piece of housekeeping since we have all of us here, it kind of is a discussion that carries over from the previous episode. Now that we have Bass here to also discuss, uh, Reese James. So Reese James, Trent Alexander Arnold, and Jao Cancelo are without a doubt the three best fullbacks in the world right now. Um, I would like to propose that we all agreed to stop debating it and just accept that they're the three best and we have the three best. So let's just enjoy it. I think there should be a petition for Southgate to play Reese James at right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold in the right of midfield, and can say, oh, fuck. He's Portuguese, but you tried. Uh, I was saying, you see where my head was going. I was saying because they all play in the Premier League. Let's all get dual citizenship. Just and like everybody gets to play everywhere. That was a, right, that was right. a tough one, but two for two on the fucking mislabeling individuals. <laughs> two um, two things nah. before I have to get all peaceful. One, I don't know if I can stop debating this if I never got to start to begin with. Wait, do you think Reese James is better than Trent and Kinsella? Yes, but apparently I'm not going to get to do that today. So <laughs> the second one is why isn't also why isn't Southgate like pounding on Ed Woodward's door? By the way, I just realized this right now. Why is that dude, like, the dude manages England two months out of the year. Like, I don't know why he's not trying to, like, keep his English England job and just do the United job after the World Cup. That should be a thing, honestly. Like, having managers be able to do countries and clubs at the same time, I think that would be cool. You I never would think Southgate would take that job, it. though, you because he, winning the World Cup in Qatar would be, you know, the biggest honor in English football history. Um, wow. If it was going to happen or even come close, I would definitely agree with you. But I, I can tell well, you I one thing. It's not going to happen. It's because, it's because it's not Michael Edwards. That's why. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but sit, sit the fuck back down and move on. Between those three right backs right now. So. It's incredibly close. That that is a natural right back that also plays as an attacking midfielder in possession. Uh, Here we go again. Pat trying to justify why Cancelo is better than everybody else because he plays in positions. But I literally gave you all reasons why they're all the best last week. Yeah, Pat's discussion on that was really good. I just wanted to bring it up again, obviously because Bass was here, but also because this weekend they all just played out of their minds and then Reese James got another goal this uh midweek. They literally all three played insane. Mm-hmm. Trent got two assists. Cancelo had the outside of the boot one. Reese James a goal and assist or Yeah, I believe I believe a goal and an assist. I'd have to go back and look yeah. at what I assist. I think it was just yeah, insane. But, you know, it's it's like you know, looking back at that game as well, it's like ultimately what is going to be a meaningless game, I think the Chelsea Juve game in the end. You know, if we had if we had lost and then gone and won this last one by any sort of ratio, like good ratio, we would have won the group at any rate. Um, I am happy to beat Juventus for nothing at home. Don't get me wrong. First, first three goals, all Chelsea youth guys. And, you know, you can go and buy all these guys. You can go and buy Werner, who also scored. And I'm very happy about that. You can go and buy these players, these young players that are amazing, and go 
and win us these trophies. But, you know, as a fan of this club, the thing you oft hear most about is the ridiculous, and I agree, ridiculous youth program that Chelsea has going on. But to see three youth graduates play in a Champions League game at the same time and each score a goal against a club, the st- maybe not at the performance level of normal Juventus, but the stature of Juventus in a Champions League game is is meaningful. And, you know, none of the goals were in garbage time. Werner's goal was, and that's fine. He needs to put the ball in the net. So, you know, I, I got to feel pretty good about it. But Reese is just like, I don't know, because – you know, a year ago, I would have, I would have easily said Trent. I would have, you know, had zero argument and been like, yeah, Reese has, Reese has some time to go, and before he's going to be there, and you know, that time is 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 passing faster than I thought it was going to be. Sure. Yeah, his career pre- career trajectory has been impressive. He he like, you know, just a, popped up onto the scene and it just happened. Like he's just became yeah. very, very good. What feels like overnight. So right. uh, um, yeah, I definitely can attest to that. I, I think he is a, like I said last week, I think he's a very complete right back. I think he does everything pretty good. And yeah. I think that that, that speaks volumes to why he fits in with Tuchel system so well, because he can do that defensive duty, that defensive work that, that Tuchel really requires of a player. And then he can also like be that wing back that like width on the right outlet. So I, uh, I think he's very, very good much, much like I think Trent is very good. And I think, uh, I think Cancelo is very good. I think we're blessed with, we are a lot of really, really good players uh, in the premier league this year. And those three are just kind of like, you know, the like icing on the cake, so to speak. It's just like, very very cool to be able to see them playing week in week out uh in this league that we all love so very very much yeah my one my only point on trent is that this weekend he got his 51st assist for liverpool it took danny alves a hundred more games to do the same thing for barcelona yeah but danny alves can actually defend I don't think trent can't defend i think he's not as good of a defender as reese james pause Fact check, sort of true. <laughs> I mean, there are way there are way worse defending right backs in this league, and Liverpool are blessed with the back line that they have to allow him the freedom to go forward. And I think that if they weren't, you might see you might see Trent play differently and more defensively. But like you know, the way Klopp is and the way Klopp always has been even at Dortmund, even at Mainz. Like, Klopp would run at people at Mainz, like a mid-table German team, would would run everybody besides his two center backs at any fucking team. He'd do it at Bayern. And it's like, you know, you're never going to have a left or a right back. And, like, and this isn't a knock on Klopp at all. But with a coach like Klopp, you're never going to have a left or a right back that is looked at saying – oh my God, this is the best defending outside back in the world because he spends so much time forward. And, you know, if it's going to win you games, if it's going to win you trophies, then then good on you. And, you know, as, as far as I see, I don't understand, like as a Liverpool fan, why you aren't in the hunt for, you know, a trophy this year at minimum. So, you know, yeah, he can't, Injuries. can't defend. But, re- you know, regardless, this is a club that is – you know, if you named three clubs right now that could win the champ, that could win the Champions League, you like I have to imagine with the experience and 
recency bias that Liverpool has to be one of them. I think it's as you did four. I'd say it's Chelsea, City, Liverpool, Bayern. They are the only four that possess right this moment what it is to win. And you know, if Klopp has to play this style that he does to win ball games, then he's going to do it. Like that's he's the number one guy of of never change, no matter how good or bad something is. And that's how we get away with playing James Milner as a wing back. Like, I mean, he's a utility the, man. He can play anywhere. Okay, Josh, I get that. I mean, yes. At the end of the day, he is a utility man. He's a defensive midfielder. He's not going to be the one banging goals. But the way our side shapes up, we don't need a defensive right back. That's not what our right back position calls for or our left back position. And, and that's the beauty of the game. Each team is going to set up differently. One right back is not going to have the same job assignment as another. And that's what makes our clubs so dominant, respectively. Right. And and having somebody who's a natural midfielder in Trent Alexander-Arnold step up, play our right back role, learn that defensive side, and still maintain his accuracy on the pass – accuracy on the free kick whatever it may be his offensive acumen into a defensive position makes us that much more threatening when we're on a counter-attack when we're on a build-up and i think that's just what sets liverpool aside from manchester city side who sets up a a, a little bit differently and chelsea side who sets up a lot differently so we'll get into the terrorist ball we will, but um, I think I, I we oh, really you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys want to get into what went on this weekend in the Premier League, like kind of nitty gritty? Yeah, we can tuck into it. Um, I mean, we talked a lot about United. Yeah. Uh, they got fucking killed by Watford. Maguire is four terrible. one four um, one. Yeah, he. This is like, yeah, if anybody out there has a Twitter, go follow football images that uh, precede unfortunate events. And one of them is Maguire doing his whole, like, fingers in the ears, this celebration, and then uh, getting dicked on by Watford a week later. Who was that against, too? It was against the... It was San Reno. San it was the Reno. 10-0. Yeah. I think so. it was the 10 It was the game before, but either way. It's tough. <laughs> like... I, I don't have an agenda against Maguire as, a, as much of an agenda against Maguire as a lot of people do, but you know, maybe San Marino isn't the team to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's not maybe. the team you know, up with. You know, it's 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 not my call at the end of the day, but maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not it, Chief. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. What do we know? And this is after De Gea saved two Ismail Asar penalties, too. It could have been 5-1. Right. Yeah, it was a tough day to be a United supporter. Um, yeah, it ultimately the game they got old sacked, like we talked about earlier. Um, not really much else to it. I mean, shout out Watford. I mean, actually, that is something to to discuss. And shout yeah. out Watford. That win. That's a huge. Go, go out and get after it. Like it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It doesn't matter how in or out of form it is. Like it's three points, and you're not a club that you know has the luxury of finishing mid table every year. So go out and get it. Honestly. Um, you know, outside of that, Bass, uh, would you like to to chat about how Chelsea uh, beat the piss out of Leicester over the weekend? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to get into that a little bit. I think that, you know, Leicester are a team that are capable of, of not being at the top, but are capable of, of staying in relevancy in the Premier League, which when you're not a member of what's already been established over the last two decades, isn't easy to break into unless you, you know, you have a big takeover, you sign a future, you know, all-star player and you know somebody that's going to be a mainstay at your club for years and years and years like it's hard to really ascend in this league and Leicester you know a bit of a down right now you know I wouldn't call it a full-on down year but I think that them being out of form and you know Chelsea defending the way that they do you know leads you know sometimes it doesn't lead to goals and sometimes it does and you know it is you know you can there are plenty of jokes to be had and I even make them when I sit and watch I'm you know you know, I'm, I'm no stranger to going on Twitter and reading about the two Caliban and all of that stuff. You know, Thank I'm you. not, I, 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 I understand that it's out there and. Oh, it's out there, Bass. But at the same time, it's like, man, if my club are going to get, a, if my club are going to get a clean sheet and it's, and it's one goal against, you know, against an average side, that's, you know, that's great. And, you know, I want to see my teams attack. I want to see. I want to see fluid ball going forward and, you know, it makes me happy, but, you know, to see a player like Mendy in my goal and, you know, not really ever be afraid unless it's so obvious that we're getting scored on. Like I'm never really worried. Like it's like, unless somebody's passing it across the face of goal to an empty net for it's happened, that dude's got a chance. And, you know, he's, he's, he's kept our ass out of the jackpot a half dozen times this season, but you know, the, the four, nothing, the four, nothing clean sheets, the one, nothing clean sheets it all. It all adds up. He's got as many as, as checked it in his first 50 games. And, you know, you can make an argument about, about check in, in all time. You really can. It sucks that, you know, he played for a country that, you know, didn't really break out in an international stage and he didn't get games outside of club to, really prove himself but you know you've got a guy two seasons in that you know is replacing the richest the most expensive goalkeeper in the world and the expectation is massive like and he's he's come out and he's standing statistic wise next to the greatest keeper in the history of our club and almost one in the history of the premier league you know he is a bigger reason than the defense i think that you know the way tuchel plays is 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 positive i think it's i don't think it's negative to the game i don't think it's you know i don't think it's 20 i don't think it's 2016 Mourinho. i don't think it's you know i don't see those similarities nearly as much as i do with that i did five years ago when we played defensively it's you know not re- re- you can say that with a straight face that i can is, say that with an awful straight positive face. when was the last time you saw juventus lose by four goals all right. Open a book up. Open a book up and tell me when the last time you saw Juventus lose by four goals was. That doesn't mean it's good for the game. Is Simeone good for the game? Absolutely. No. Not. I'll, no. I'll bitch about Simeone any day, but not that, every Chelsea I mean, game. Not every. Not every game looks like that. Not every game looks like that. <laughs> I will say. I will say. I in watching you guys play against Juve, you set up very differently. Yeah. Than, than I had seen you set up in the past. You it almost looked like you were set up in a three-two-five in possession a lot of the time with your wingbacks 
essentially were wingers and you had like three forwards and it was just Jorginho and Conte, I believe, started with him. I was watching the game at my desk at work, so I didn't actually see the 11. But you guys were set up really high up the field. So unfortunately, I couldn't tweet any terrorist jokes about that game because you were playing good ball, all right? Like, I like to banter. Tuchel... It, okay, so he does it in a handful of ways. He he's not a one style coach. Like he showed he showed up last year, and we're you know we're pressing every team off the ball the first month, and he's like ah like it's fine. I don't like he got exposed a month two months in. He lost four nothing. Oh god, I can't think of it. It might have been Villa. It might have been West Brom. West Brom. West Brom. You know, and he sets up and he gets blown out, and he looks at it as like okay. This isn't the way. Now I'm going to go play like a terrorist, and we're going to see how that goes. And, you know, and the end of last season, there was a lot of – as soon as we knew we'd be in the Champions League final and we had no shot at the Prem at anything, which, you know, even finishing third, I think, last season is absolutely fucking hilarious, by the way, um, after the start that we had. Also, United finished second. I, so as you know, that last season is, is absolute – nails on chalkboard dog nuts like you know we i still don't know what to think of last season but then he started in 14th and then won the league <laughs> right and it's like we like it really wait is it arsenal's year it's gotta no. be all right let's <laughs> put that to fucking bed but no no i i think you're right i think you know i like to get the jokes off but they're not total terrorist ball but for all of the viewers out there, the last thing I'm going to say about this is every time I see Chelsea win, um, go on YouTube and type in Counter-Strike Terrorists <laughs> with Downbite, and that plays in my head every time I see Chelsea have a match of football. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess my final thought on that is, like, you know, playing a certain style and winning and getting these clean sheets and mi- – and inspiring confidence in your defense when you know you have a hard run of games coming, which they do. December, January, depending on who we draw in the round of 16, December, January is going to suck. And, like, we just lost Chilwell for the season. You know, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to give Marcus Alonso minutes. And not everybody that supports this club is. I'm happy to do it because since Tuchel's walked in, I've maybe seen Alonso twice and gone, okay – stop doing what you're doing but there's a dozen occasions where i see him play and i'm comfortable so he's always looked better in a back five you saw that under conte right Right. yeah and if if it were if it were me you know the first position i would i would get is is probably is probably in it's probably a left back but you know there's 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 other things you know we're we're in a position to buy we you know we won the Champions League and and we technically made money off Hazard and buying all the players we did. We technically made money that summer and then went won the league, didn't really buy anybody. So it wouldn't shock me if if they went out and, you know, surprised one morning in January and just bought some crazy defender that's unhappy or, you know, not in a good spot at their club and, you know, just came and got the old the old Tuchel treatment, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we came out this weekend and Tuchel played completely different against the confused United side and, you know, went back to the old press for one game. You don't know what this dude is really going to 
to draw up unless it's a must-win game. Mm-hmm. And you know, in that regard, but in that regard, if it's a must-win game, why wouldn't you play any different than the way of trying to get the W? And you know, I hate sitting and watching defensive ball unless we're taking it and we're countering the hell out of it. I don't really love to see it. But <laughs> Against Liverpool, I hate to like, I hate seeing my club lose more at the end of the day. That's fair. Lose that game. You know what? I hate it, but that's fair. Are you going to hear what I hate in the winter bass? Is he playing for Senegal? Uh, every time he goes to play for Senegal, it scares the hell out of well, me. Well, because but... AFCON, because we're obviously going to be without some right. players. But if you were without Mendy for uh, you know a month and a half or so, that would be tough. It would it would be tough, and it depends on the run. It depends on the run of games. As Pat wipes his hands menacingly. <laughs> but you know, here's the other thing. Nothing that Kepa has done this season so far in the games that he's gotten has made me say, well, if he's got to play, he's got to play. If he's got to play, I'm going to be mad. If he's got to play, then he's got to play. And that's, you know, and that's fine. And, you know, and, you know, maybe it will be bad, but, you know, it seems way more organized. And, you know, I haven't heard anything about Kepa's ego, Kepa's angst about being the number two. You know, every, there's not one report that suggests an ounce of negativity from the dude. So at this point, after previous managers having there be difficulty, I really, if Mendy goes away for two months, I have no choice but to back this guy, and I would do it anyway because he's accepted this role, you know, and he's dealt with the pressure of being the most expensive dude in his position to ever play the game while being a number two and has done it gracefully and hasn't been a prick about it, whereas he had already been a prick and it really hadn't been as much, you know, pressure on him at that moment in time so it shows the change it shows the maturity it shows the growth mm-hmm. and you know if it happens it happens but there are plenty worse number two goalkeeping options at better clubs than Chelsea you want to know what concerns me the most that you as a Chelsea supporter have to support the team in the league that has the most players with their kits tucked in tucked in shirts FC baby it's Ash- fucking Ashford disgusting. Wet FC. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking disgusting. Uh, yeah, right there is no that. swag on Chelsea, and these guys oh. actually do play terrible. I, I I agree with you on on every single person on the team tucking in being weird, <laughs> except for Aspilaqueta. That dude has earned the right to tuck his shirt in <laughs> and act like my dad would if he was. 30 years old and a professional soccer player for the rest of his career. And in a construction site. Have to tuck their shirt in. And I, I think that does segue nicely into the next game we have on the review, which is City Everton, because the man of the match, Rodri, is, is shirt tucked in FC, and it, it suits him perfectly. Mr. Hand Me Down Civic FC. Dude, right? Hand me down Civic. Point A to point B, baby. Making 120K, living in the school dorms. He's got a fucking business degree. Gordon just loves the guy. Pocketing and all of his game checks. He's just like fucking, he's like a Sergio Busquets reincarnate, and I could not be happier with him anchoring our defense. Scored a fucking worldy of a goal against Everton, too. Came off his foot like a fucking tractor engine and just roofed into the top of the net uh phenomenal goal from him great game um i think he's the best defensive midfielder in the world right now uh easily and yeah it's a really really comfortable 
City win over Everton. I, I don't think any of us thought it was going to be uh, anything different, but it, yeah. Uh, we had the over on 3.5 goals in that one. It was a very tough loss on that bat. Almost there. I, I was can't, happy I can't happy believe that. See one more goal go either Come way on. just so Josh could hit on the bat. That was bad. But the, the last game we're going to review here is uh, Liverpool-Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of bragging because I called Justin out and told them Ben White and Gabrielle were shit, and they were but awful against They Liverpool. were dog shit. They were dog shit, but I, I will do Justin the one thing and, and read his official statement for um, the podcast. Yep. Uh, so we are covering the Liverpool Arsenal game as he asked in his text. He says Liverpool were really, really good. Arsenal were not so good. We go again. Uh, yeah, no, Arsenal were dog shit. Um, as per usual. Sorry, Justin. Love you. The fan therapy hasn't kicked in quite yet here. Uh, but Gabrielle looked like shit. Um, we went out and I, I, I do side with the Arsenal fans here. Justin made a good point. You know, Liverpool won this game in 20 minutes. They won this game in 20 minutes. They had a very, Arsenal had a very good first half. I will give them that. They held them at bay, but 20 minutes of laps will kill you, especially against a side like Liverpool. The boys ran on all cylinders. It it was a good game. It was a good game when it was all said and done. What was it? Four one. Four nil. Four one. Four nil. Oh, another clean were, sheet for the boys. <laughs> I just want to say that I heard mad talk about this Nuno Tevez guy before the game. Yeah, who the Awful. fuck is that? Uh, put some. He needs to learn some respect because before the game, he Res- he was going respect. on about most. He was going on about Mo Salah saying he didn't know him before the game, but he'd know him after. Yeah, you you passed uh, to Jota right for a goal on the second one. That pretty much ended things. That's yeah, through ball. Uh, can I get a pause? You're telling me that this dude said that he didn't know who Mo Salah no, was? No, that Mo Salah didn't know who he was, okay. but after okay. the game he would. Okay. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he, he assisted a goal, so there there you go. And then it was just capped off by a nice Taki Minamino goal to, to just wrap things up. It was yeah, beautiful. Just, Arsenal had we, to we really love get... this dude. I, I, I respect I respect the hell out of how much you love this dude. I yeah, he's not that good. I just love him. He's a good guy. <laughs> and you know, he always has a smile on his face. And his work rate is he's just happy to be here. Yeah. Taki's just happy to be here. And honestly, I'm not too beat up that, you know, I didn't get the most solid hat trick call. But, you know, Mo did get a goal. We had four different goal scorers. Taki getting the, the, the last one there. It was a good game. The subs came in, made exponential Im- improvements to the side at that point in the game. Did you get a um, a hear on the new Minamino song on the cop match? I did not. Are you going to have to send me another new song? No, I might just sing it. <laughs> sing it. Sing it right now minamino here we go again why why did salzburg ever let you go <laughs> minamino it's a good one little abba oh, uh man, yeah ABBA. arsenal needed to get their heads out of the sky though because they were on this uh whole run of form thing when they played four teams that just sacked their manager so 
Yeah, we had to take yeah. him down a couple pegs. Yeah, and like, I never, you know, I definitely agree with it in a way. I, I, I see Arsenal finishing in the top half. I really like these these clubs. I think the era of like clubs like slumping at the start of the season is is possible and can sit down there. But I truly think that like after you know Chelsea finishing tenth and what that truly looked like for 38 for a 38 game season what that truly looked like is pretty you know is 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 was visible to a lot of these clubs and i think that there's you know more things in place now more you know like more ideas of these clubs to keep that from truly happening over the course of time like you talk about how down bad manchester united was and we can sit here and talk about that for 30 minutes we already have but they still finished second yeah, like to yeah. truly go and finish 10th place is is an is an achievement in itself not in a good way but like you you know that i think that era is like really over but for arsenal like four wins in a row the way things have gone this season is is good no matter how you spin it and head in the clouds is one thing i don't think it's acceptable for you know these fans to really go on a tear and say they're any better than any of these teams in the top six but you know treat these wins in a bad season in a row no matter who they're against as a building block and even when you lose four nothing, the way you did, that's a team like that's a great Liverpool team. We know it's a great team, but you know it still is. It is still is forward momentum for that. I would never have picked Arsenal to win or maybe even score a goal against Liverpool this past weekend. But you know, I'll t- I'll still take them. You know, against a minimum of ten of these clubs in the league. Yeah, and it's, you know, sometimes I just try to get a hot take off and. It really didn't pan out for me this week. Oh yeah, the whole Arsenal's winning this game. <laughs> really didn't pan out. Wait, whoa! Yeah, Pat oh. called an Arsenal win at Anfield. Sometimes you you gotta just roll the dice, you know, and just be like, you know what? Fuck it. If they win, I get to be a dick next episode. That's fine. Yeah, until you get half your picks wrong, and I get you get bantered on the next episode, like I do every week. I only make like one or two. I, I usually I make a safe pick, which is City are going to win, and then I make a spicy one, like Arsenal are going to get three points at Anfield. It was definitely spicy. That was the last game of the review. Uh, we have some UCL stuff. Uh, just a few storylines. We're not going to run through all the games. We already talked about Chelsea, Juve. The rest of the stuff on Tuesday, um, Group G is just completely wide open. That's the one with Sevilla, Wolfsburg. I think literally every team in that group can qualify on the final day. Yeah, it's going to be an insane last day in Group G. If you don't have a team in the race, uh, watch Group G. Yeah, that's going to be a good one to follow. Man United. uh, They're through. Yeah, clinched their ticket, but Villarreal could fall out to Atalanta on the last day. That's one to keep your eye on, uh, just who's going to get the second spot there. And then Barcelona, too. Uh, and yeah, Barcelona literally have they have to get a result right against Bayern on the last day. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, um, I'm frozen. Hold up. You're good. I'm good. I'm chilling. Work. Cool, cool. You cool. are chilling. Um, uh, and Liverpool clinched their spot in the in the the knockout stages. Good two will two nil win over Porto. There. Uh, how do you guys feel about that one? feel great Tiago had a screamer it wasn't uh it wasn't uh it wasn't exactly the lineup you'd go out and expect to win 2-0 against a 
a fully kitted uh, Porto side. Uh, but Tiago had an unbelievable goal. Um, Simikas, another great performance. Um, He's good. Rest yeah, for for all the guys. I mean, everybody getting rest. Ox getting minutes, huge. Tiago getting a full set of minutes, huge. Um, our front three looked looked great. Today. Tyler Morton like, debut. Morton looked phenomenal. He keeps putting it as what is he? 17, 18? 18. 18 years old and putting in these performances in a massive UCL game. And I wouldn't okay, massive might be a little bit of an overstatement. We're kind of done and dusted in our group. Uh we're 7 points clear of second place at the at the at kickoff. But Morton to be able to step into that role give some guys some rest let hendo come in for what 25 minutes um robo got 25 great minutes immediately came on made an impact had some fire in his gut that he hasn't really had over the last couple of weeks i think it was a all in all like unbelievable 2-0 performance through the setup of the squad to the substitutions like i think that is about as clinical as you can get in this Liverpool side, putting out a, a, yeah. a less than stellar starting 11 and coming away with a result like that. That yeah, was a good win. It was a good, good win. Uh, Sheriff lost to Real and Inter beat Shakhtar in uh, another group there. Also, I, I sorry to be jumping around here to go back to the, the Liverpool, Milan, Porto, uh, Atletico group, but Milan are still alive, right? They are. The results today, Milan can still go through if they win on the last day. Yep. Milan put in a fucking one nil late winner against uh, against Madrid, Mad- not Madrid, Atletico, 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 Madrid. Oh my god! Yeah, you want to talk, talk? Shut your mouth! Going over semantics. <laughs> that is who, who who's who calls Atletico Madrid Madrid? I was just giving oh, you nobody. a hint. Where do they play? What city do they play in? Shut your whore mouths. <laughs> Who has ever called Atletico Madrid Madrid? I mean, and meant I mean it. everybody else knew what I meant. Yeah, I mean, happy happy for Milan to get the job done today, and hopefully we'll get to see them <laughs> in the last 16. And, you know, AC Milan is the current working definition of build back better. In 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 the game today, uh, like any club in the world, I seeing what they're doing after you know the last ten years that they've had is crazy, you know, pretty pretty crazy, and like it makes me happy to see. Um, it is you know everyone has an opinion on the guy, but you know Zlatan's going out there and in a lot of ways is being a is being a true veteran leader and presence in that club when he, you know, could be anywhere fucking off and going on Jimmy Fallon and, you know, he could still be in L.A. doing that and he would get by more than fine and everyone would still like him, but he is picking the hard way. And I, you know, for a guy that I don't necessarily have to go and respect every career move he's made, but that is one that is a a big redemption arc and it's good to see him leading in a lot of ways by example and in a lot of ways being still being the shit house that he is and 
you know, it's it's good and it gives the fans something to get behind when, you know, you are watching Inter Milan, you know, typically perform way better in the last few years. And it's hard to be a fan of the club, I bet if you're in Italy as of late. And it gives hope. And I think that, you know, my, you know, I think they go through on the last day. Yeah, I would not be surprised to uh, to see that happen as well. Um, last game for the Champions League uh, is me. Your boy gets to close it out. Uh, City beat PSG today, uh, day of recording on Wednesday. No, no, Pat beat PSG. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, uh, PSG took a 1-0 lead early. Um, or not early, in the second half uh, off of Mbappe, but I don't know. It was just kind of a lucky goal. They didn't really look good. It was just like the first game that we played against them. Like we dominated the dominated the ball. Like looked pretty in control throughout the entire game. Um, unlike the the first game we played against them in the group, uh, they didn't get two fortunate goals. They only got one, and we actually converted our chances. Uh, we battled back, got a really hard fought two uh, one win. Uh, Gabriel Jesus came off the bench, made immediate impact. Uh, Bernardo Silva was my man of the match for sure. Uh, statistics after the game he went 47 for 47 with his passes two key two key passes and assist uh one tackle completed one dribble completed two recoveries um he was absolutely everywhere um a phenomenal phenomenal player and i said at the start of the pod before we started recording i kind of had what may be taken as a hot take and here's my hot take uh next to muhammad salah Bernardo Silva is comfortably the second best player in the world right now. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Who's <laughs> playing better than him right now? Bro, you waited 80 minutes to say that? <laughs> you waited 80 minutes to say that? Who's playing better than him right now? Cancelo? <laughs> Bernardo's been better than Cancelo this season. Bernardo Silva's comfortably the second best player. That was fucking funny. (laughs) There. There's my hot take for the episode. I think Bernardo Silva is the second best player in the world right now. That is some spicy meet the ball. I feel. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I mean, are we talking like in the last four weeks? (laughs) The whole season. He's been amazing. He's been good, but I I feel incredible, Mitchell. Sala earns that chat about him being the best player in the world, though, because he's been doing it for, like, five years. I think right now, Bernardo's number two. In the world? In the world, absolutely. I don't think center mids get enough credit. He has easily been the second best player in the world right now. Are you counting the other countries in Europe? Over the course of how long? This season. This season. He has been in stellar form. As long as you're not trying to go back anywhere before that and talk about center mids, then that's fine. You could, as long as the tape starts in September, then I I can't you know verbalize much against it is, that. It is arguable. I definitely is, can argue for you. I can't argue for you, but it is arguable. However, I think the I amount, think the amount of the right. amount of fucking jerking we've done on the right back for your club. Oh well. I mean, just looking at what Cancelo has produced for City, I feel like is so much more than what, 
like Bernardo has done. He's been a far more complete player than Bernardo. Absolutely not, dude. How many city games do you actually watch? Come on. Come on. More complete player. Come on. Come how on. Many, how many assists does he have? You're looking, you're gonna measure assi- central midfield. Um, you're gonna measure a number eight in goals and assists. I'm not we're not having this debate. No, nope. you're saying 47 nope. passes in one game. 47 complete passes. You haven't backed anything before that. And you're saying he's the second best player in the world. This is one game. He had one good game today. Yes, but he has put these games in every single time he has walked out on the pitch. He's been City's most important player since like the middle of last season. He's right now, I think he's against Liverpool. It was against Liverpool. It was Foden and Casello. It was Bernardo. He won man of the match. What are you on? How did Bernardo win man of the match? It was Foden. That game, it was Bernardo. How? I'm pretty sure he won the man of the match. How did he win man of the match when Foden put in that performance? I think it was Foden. Foden. Silva got toasted on that Sala goal. He scored. Okay, yes, it's Sala. He's going to toast everyone. What do you mean? Foden put in such a better performance than Silva in that game. Mitchell, I don't think you've watched enough Bernardo Silva to be having this discussion. I think no, he's, I, I have what, a lot of bad I'm not Silva bias. Bad. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I think there's more players on your side that have put in complete performances like Foden, like Cancelo, that should get a nod over that. No, I get I'm what a midfielder Bernardo. does. Number two. I personally if really Bruyne dislike. If wasn't in bad form, you wouldn't be saying that. Uh, that's, that's why I all said I'm gonna this say. season, Mitchell. I don't think he's the second best player in the world right now. You're uh, entitled to that opinion. I'm just stating mine. I, I, I think he's the second best right now. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you gave you gave your hot take of the day already. So I guess I mean you can answer the question if you want, but I only had one question coming on here, and that's the Ballon d'Or is getting handed out in the next few weeks. Well, then it should. I think Messi's going to win. Jorginho! Well, I don't understand how Messi could win the Ballon d'Or. I don't understand. What do and you mean? You know how I feel. And you know how I feel. You think Jorginho should actually win the Ballon d'Or? Can you make a legitimate argument against it? He wasn't he even in the Copa America club until Tuchel took over. <laughs> he didn't win the Copa what you, America. What do you need to? What do you need to win the Ballon d'Or? The Copa he America. wasn't. Starting for Chelsea until Tuchel took over, and you're going to tell me he should win the Ballon d'Or in January at the beginning of the calendar year when the Ballon d'Or begins to be judged? Yes. No way, dude. Come oh, on. dude. Come on. You're gonna you're gonna get at me with Bernardo Silva. So Jorginho winning the Ballon d'Or is like when Modric won it in 2018. It's a joke. I mean, it wasn't a joke when he was the that first. Was a joke. That was, nah. that was a joke. It was a world. But that's how the that's how the balloon door is judged. Salah was the best player in the world that year, but he didn't win anything. He, you know, Liverpool lost the Champions. So what Bass is saying is like based on how the balloon door is judged, Jorginho has his rightful case to do so. Do I think he should win it? Absolutely not. I think he'll be on the podium, and I think he probably deserves to be on the podium. He had a good year, but I don't think he was the best player of the year. No way. I agree. I don't know, man. I think there's a case for him to win it based on how they judge, though. 
Right, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Is like, that. I, oh yeah, I didn't ask who the best player in the world was because you, you, everyone in this sitting here right now knows damn well who I think the best player in the world is and has been since he was 20 years old. But well, okay, I want to agree with you, but I think it's Salo right now. You can't. But you wouldn't give Salo. You can't tell me there's some, been somebody better than Sala over these past, like, 18 months, dude. You just oh, can't. no, but, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, walk, it's hard for me, and, like, I don't know, maybe other people have this. It's hard for me It's hard for me to walk around and be like, yeah, like, Sala is on, like, the same level as, like, Messi. And it's right like – now he is. Messi's got one goal in – Right this – yes, now. right this second, Salah is the best player in the world. That's what I'm saying. Yes. You know, but – when I asked the question about the Ballon d'Or, they it's literally an award judged on the calendar year and who is a winner. So you look at 2020 to 2021. Nope. It's- I look at 2000. I look at January 2021 to now. No, the Ballon d'Or is for the year. No, it's not. It's for the year, not the season. The year starts in January. January is the first month of the year. Can confirm. And that's when they start judging. And that's when Tuchel took over. And that's when this weird, and I will admit this is weird, Jorginho regime began. (laughs) And we're sitting here now, points clear, CL in hand, and, you know, one of the four teams, in my opinion, who who could do it this year. And he's at the helm of it all. Italy won the Euro. He sat there in the middle and, and delivered, you know, masterpieces and missed a penalty missed in the end. Missed, missed a penalty. The number one negative thing you can say about Jorginho not winning the Ballon d'Or is that he missed one penalty. Other than that, calendar year, there is nothing. There is nothing. Dyed his hair blonde, too. That should be deduction of, like, five yeah. points. <laughs> but I don't think he's been the best player over the course of a calendar year. I think Messi was the, a better player from 2020 to January. Or when, whenever you're – I don't under fully – I guess I don't fully understand the actual time frames they do these things for, so maybe I'm just talking out of January my January 1st, 2021, to right. whenever, whenever they cut it off during this calendar year. So – it, when Messi carried a dead Barcelona to a Copa del Rey and then won player of the tournament and won the Copa America with Argentina. That is, yes, less things than what Jorginho did. Correct. So they <laughs> both won a trophy and they both won an international trophy. So do I need to ask you if you'd rather have the Copa del Rey or the Champions League next? I'd obviously rather have the Champions League, but look at the team around Jorginho and the team around Messi. Look at this Barcelona side the minute he leaves. Okay, so if it was Chelsea and Barcelona in the Champions League final in May, would you have picked Chelsea? No. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Oh, okay. 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 I was, I was about to walk. I was about to walk out. Absolutely. You put that Chelsea side against that Barca side, messy or not, that's like 3 nil Chelsea. They're not fucking scoring. Right. I don't know. It just feel, it Chelsea, feels like you're making your team point, my point for me. Is what it feels like. No. What? What do you mean? I made your point for like you? That's what it feels like. This conversation has been. Like, <laughs> that's broken. Am I missing something? <laughs> yeah. What? That's what I'm. Everything. You're missing what I've been trying to explain to you for like 
way longer than I should have been. <laughs> I sure we can just move on because I guess I don't understand it either. You guys want to move on to what I'm excited about? It's yeah. it, this is Mitch's first week of his new segment. I wish we had some like breaking news sound bit to insert here. <laughs> we got the Fiorentina forecast this week. Oh yeah, I did see this in the notes. <laughs> yeah, what is Last this? Last week. <laughs> we talked about Fiorentina going up against AC Milan. And everybody wanted to talk shit and say Fiorentina isn't going to do anything. They're going to lose. They're going to fucking lay down and get pumped by Milan. You want to know what they did, boys? You want to know what they did? They went out and beat AC Milan 4-3. to <laughs> Fiorentina breaks the streak against Milan at home. They live up to all the expectations. Vlahovic has a great weekend. Yeah, he was sick. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic misses out on his hat trick with an own goal. The second half in this game was fucking amazing. It, it was so fun to watch. This was a very, very fun game to watch, and I hope other people tuned in uh, to watch this. But Fiorentina at home beats AC Milan 4-3. to three. Uh, let's, uh, let's just do a little... Does Bass table. know the bet going on? I don't know the bet, but looking <laughs> like looking at this now, I am I am forming an opinion on Fiorentina as not as we speak, but I knew they I know they're like high mid table, but like you know, looking back at these uh match stats, I do have to say like whatever insanity transpired on this day, Saturday, November the 20th was certainly an outplay by Milan who just somehow Fucked it all up in the end is kind of what I'm assuming. Mitch without made watched. a crazy take at the beginning of the season that Fiorentina were a top six side in Italy, which is just completely talking out of his ass. And well, they're four points out of the top four, Rick. Yeah, well, yeah, that's why it's backfiring. But <laughs> it's backfiring. Pat, Pat, what do you have to buy, Mitch, if they get in the top six? If Fiorentina make the top six, I have to find Mitchell one of those uh, Nintendo Fiorentina kits, yeah. from which is. One of the coolest jerseys that I have ever seen in my life, personally. Can't wait. Yes. Not um, but it does. Top six. Mitch, how's the weather looking? Looks like by the time you record next week, you'll have uh, Empoli and Sampdoria, a.k.a. the Sherlock Holmes team. <laughs> <laughs> by the time we record next week, Fiorentina should have six more points. You're right. Based on Empoli and Sampdoria so far. Yeah. Yeah. I Roma, think they're going to get six points in these next two games. Roma plays Torino and Bologna. 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 Uh, let's see what else the table is saying. What else does the table tell me? What is it? Where, who does Inter play? Inter is playing Venezia and Spezia. Napoli plays. Um... Lazio this weekend. You're Napoli Lazio. Team in Serie A to not draw a game so far. There's seven wins, six losses, no draws. So, so fast and loose. I, 
you know, that was a huge three points. That Vlahovic being able to still produce while not wanting to be there is huge for me right now in my quest for a new kit. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a sick way of putting it. Like, this was actually the first full Fiorentina match I've watched this year. Oh my God. I specifically put this on as a big middle finger to everyone who told me no. I threw this match on and was pleasantly surprised at how my boys in purple produced against a side like AC Milan, who seems to be catching heat right now. They start, they've started to catch that fire. They've started producing matches. They've started playing well. They're still in contention for a spot in the Champions League. So to be able to go out and get three points and put the big middle finger up to everyone who has doubted me and my boys in purple this year was huge. Um, we've got two big matches upcoming uh, this week, and I think we'll walk away with another six points. Um, it's just gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how the rest of that city uh, table shakes out. It has been very very close with four points separating. Uh, Fiorentina from from fourth place, which is held by Atalanta solely. Uh, Roma is sitting in fifth on 22 points. And then Lazio, Fiorentina, and Juventus are all tied at sixth, seventh, and eighth with 21 points. So the City A is still incredibly, incredibly close. It's 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 tight, it's exciting football. And uh, I think just watching that match is just going to drive me to want to watch more. I'm definitely going to be watching uh, Fiorentina make the top six this year. Yeah, it's a good use of that Paramount Plus subscription. Thank you, Cameron. Oh, I sure. talk about Paramount Plus today, man. That is the worst fucking streaming. That's dog shit. Oh, my ass. Before. I had to reset like four times today while watching Golasso. It's it dog shit. Yeah, it's tough. But speaking of world soccer, Italy, we're going to do Rick's picks. Just break down a few matches here really quick. We're already 90 minutes in. It's a heater, so we'll fly through these. Um, First one, Liverpool-Southampton. It's one of the ones that kicks off the English Premier League weekend. Avrod, Liverpool, minus one and a half the past two games. It's hit for me. This one's minus 125, um, that same thing. So Liverpool to win by two, basically. Uh I have this one every time Southampton has traveled to Anfield in the past four games. They have lost, um, and they have lost by a combined score of 12 to nothing. They're going to get murdered. Yeah, Liverpool do well against Southampton, especially at Anfield, and with uh, especially some rest of some players in the midweek, I think Liverpool come out um, excited and fresh, and I think they win it pretty easily. Yeah, I think we're going to have a good matchup against our academy side here. Um Glad you got the joke in before I did. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, No, Liverpool has been looking sublime lately, uh, especially in a game like today where we get to rest our big big names, Virgil, uh, Trent not in the side, Rabo only playing about 25 minutes, Hendo playing about a half an hour, our front three obviously getting sent out for the full 90 i i don't know i 
I just love the direction that Liverpool is going in right now. Um, our midfield is starting to come back from injury. Tiago, Hendo, Milner, um, Fab, Ox, Fab, all names that are, are starting to get healthy. And it seems like Harvey Elliott is very close to getting back into that mix as well. Um, just very promising. Very, very promising. Um, and I'm excited to see uh, the the second half of the season kick off. It, it's crazy. We're almost halfway through the year at this point. Um, but I, I think our midfield's kind of getting back into form um, around all of those injuries, finding our footing, uh, and then the depth we have with our youngsters is being put on uh, on full display right now. And I, I don't think anybody can uh, dispute the fact how how big performances like Nico Williams and Morton um, have been for us in these in these big um, away nights that uh, are away from the Premier League. So yeah, for sure. I agree um, that's gonna be a lock for sure. Liverpool one and a half with yeah, yeah. I would yeah. I would agree. Um Crystal Palace Villa, the next one. I think this one's a little bit interesting, just two new managers. Um Jared obviously won his first game in charge of Aston Villa last weekend. Um nice two nil win against Brighton. Uh this one I have Villa draw no bet, so basically Villa just can't lose. Uh draw, you get your money back if they win. Uh, you obviously win. That one's at plus 140. So really valuable bet here. Uh, not too much kind of behind it. It is at Selhurst Park. I just think Villa looked impressive enough at the end of that game against Brighton. I think they could do it against Palace, which has uh, a pretty leaky defense this year. Yeah, Palace. Yep. It's a pretty, uh, you know, below Brighton the way that, you know, the the way that those guys have played this year. I think that, you know, that's a good, that's a good shout. Um you know, if you're coming out of that looking good and new manager, new everything, then, you know, you should come out and, and in theory, do the same exact thing against the lesser side. So mm-hmm. definitely agree with you there. And next one, uh, we're going to talk about Pat's team just for a second. Man City versus West Ham. Probably the game of the weekend here. Uh, two pretty class sides. West Ham, a uh, little drop in form, a little hiccup against Wolves last weekend. I actually have West Ham covering in this one plus one and a half. So I think it'll be a one goal margin. Odds on that one are minus 105. Um, I think West Ham bounced back, but I don't think they necessarily um, win or draw. I think a one-goal margin in City's favor is a pretty fair shout for that. Uh, any thoughts on that one, Pat? I muted myself, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think it, it, I'm, I'm feeling like maybe a 2-1, I think, to City that game. I think it's going to be really, really tight. I could honestly even see us drawing. Um, West Ham are a really, really good side. So, yep. yeah. Um, Rick's pick is safe, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see like a two-two come out of this game or a one-one. I actually, I actually want to turn and go the other way with it. Um, West Ham, you know, losing Agbana for the season is it's tough. It's a blow oh, yeah, and a really big loss. I have to, I have to think this is a good side the way they've played, but that is that is big and. The way that City are playing, like West hit, like West Ham's back line, if they are going to snatch a draw, is going to have to step up. I don't know what the morale about losing a player, the caliber of what Ogbonna has done this season is going to do to them. So I wouldn't be surprised to see City kind of pull a little more from mm-hmm. than what you know some are thinking to get out of this game. But mm-hmm. that aside, I think West Ham are a side of capable of scoring against big clubs, and 
you know, sometimes all it takes is one, all it takes is, you know, one and a lucky bounce to get two. And, you know, yep. so I definitely see, see that pick coming to fruition, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see city break out against this team and have a good, and have a good day, especially after the high of beating a team, even though it's at home, even though PSG are what they are beating PSG and then turning around like, Things have got to be good for them right now. So yeah, but, uh, and I, no De Bruyne, probably no Foden, and no Grealish. So the attacking options aren't totally there for us. So that's why I'm only thinking like it's probably going to be a one goal game. And I and I don't necessarily think we've given Ogbana the nod that he's deserved this year. I think a lot of people looking at West Ham look at the Four Owls, the Rice, the the Antonio, of course. Uh, before you look at that defensive line and. Uh, I think Ogbana uh, being out for the year is a massive blow to this this side, but I think their offensive acumen is gonna is gonna bode well for them uh, moving forward. I think they just need to kind of keep doing what they're doing. Their midfield and their uh, attacking presence are going to bode well for them uh, moving forward. Yeah, for sure. They do still have Zuma back there. Zuma's played well since he came over from Chelsea, so. Um... Mm-hmm interesting to see how that plays out uh last premier league game to talk about here only have six picks this week we're being a little conservative with the picks trying to get some more realistic ones here. not we you <laughs> yeah me i'll take oh. the blame for all of them i um, mean it is called rick's picks for a reason we're gonna do a value pick here this one is the the highest value odds pick of the week and it's kind of just a fun one um to throw out because you know, it has the the high odds for a reason. Uh, it's because Chelsea do play a little bit more conservatively, but they've been scoring goals and they've been doing it against good size sides. I have Chelsea minus one and a half plus 180. So huge, huge odds on this one. Uh, I just like it because I think Man United have been awful and they haven't really made a change big enough to get that manager bump. Uh, and I think Chelsea could exploit them. And, you know, a 2-0 result in favor of Chelsea really isn't that crazy. Uh, of mm-hmm. a result especially at the bridge yeah yeah even even three even three one yeah, is like exactly that far out of the water you know i you know i love the clean sheets we've had i know it's not you know perfect all the time but you know we're on a we're on a great run of form defensively and you know it, i do look at it as a trap game i do get nervous when you know i see teams that are down on their luck playing against us you think back to christmas time last year the most obvious game in the world we were going to kick the shit out of arsenal <laughs> at christmas time no. Everyone knew it. And then we just go and lose three nothing. It made no sense. Yeah. And you know, I do worry about games like that, that that feel and seem obvious, but I think from a betting perspective and you know, form and statistics and everything that I can definitely see Chelsea coming away looking great. Yeah. And then moving over to Italy, we have Napoli Lazio. I have the Napoli money line here, minus one thirty five. So Napoli are, are favored um, just a little bit in this one. They've won eight out of their last ten matches against Lazio, so that's kind of the main reason uh, for the pick here. They're coming off that loss to Inter Milan. They got kind of rocked by Milan this past weekend, so I do think they'll bounce back. Um, that's the thought behind that one. And then Real Madrid-Sevilla to kind of close things out on Rick's picks. I have this one over 2.5 goals, minus 125. So another minus odds picks, but um, Real Madrid haven't lost in the Liga since October the third, and seven out of the last eight head-to-head matches between these two sides has gone over um, 2.5 goals. So I, I favor it quite a bit here. Um, those are Rick's picks for the week. 
better like better than five and eight. I'm hoping we five and eight really isn't bad. You're still making money if they're plus odds. It's not bad. It's not bad. We are up above five hundred this weekend, but uh, we'll we'll take a look at the totals. We'll get a we'll get a total number for for uh, for next week to see where we're sitting at. The three for eleven week hurt. I won't that lie. was that was a tough yeah. week. That was a tough week. But I I think we're finding we're finding kind of that that stretch of season where it's more definitive. It's more okay. We we have our bearings about us. There are there are tournaments and like Afcon coming up that we know um, will throw a wrench into how things go. We we got UCL coming back in what three and a half four weeks. So we've got a nice stretch of games of um, strictly Premier League football, and it, it'll be a lot of fun or or Syria or whatever uh whatever league you support um it's going to be a, a good few weeks um and then we're just a month out from from boxing day football we're oh, yeah, a month away from the midpoint of the season so i mean it's been an exciting season up to this point boys it's been mm-hmm. a lot of interesting stuff i feel like this has been a lot of moving parts so far this is I feel like this year has been so much more change than we've seen in the last, I don't know, five, five, six years. Um, it's one of the first Premier League seasons that's actually felt pretty open. There's like, you know, three teams that can really go and win it. I agree. I, I mean, open to a sense, but not as much in the in the sense that it's not six teams, seven teams in the mix. We've yeah. already we've already kind of narrowed it down to those three clubs that it's like it's wide open bet- between those three clubs yeah, and it's I mean, still exciting. Twenty seventeen and look at the seventeen eighteen the yep. eighteen nineteen like and then nineteen twenty were all and even last year it was City ran away with it Liberal, Liverpool ran away from it City yep. and Liverpool ran away from everyone and then yep. City ran away with it so like it's the first time in like five six seasons that like we're going to boxing day and like every game is actually going to matter. Yeah. Every single point matters. And it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting second half of the season. Um, we're almost to the winter transfer window. Uh, so we're going to have some exciting stuff to talk about coming up. We're going to see what happens, what moves are made and, uh, who is really defining themselves as yeah. the clear-cut Premier League leaders. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um, so that was our episode, I think. Yes. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is a little bit of a long one. Uh, things got a little bit heated in the middle there. I still stand by what I said. Um, if you got this far, really appreciate it. That's, you why, guys. that's why I come on here, though. That's why I came on. to Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, come, Bass, come on here to kiss people's hands. You know, I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> hey, come here, you know, kiss babies, shake hands, kiss hands, shake babies. You well, know, don't shake babies. You'll give them shaking baby syndrome. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, Bass. That's uh one thing we should say. Thanks yes, for coming. Thank on. you, Bass. Anytime. Call me, beat me. I will put up the Bass signal in the sky, and I'll always, uh, I'll always show up. Got you. Just gonna get a fish on a flashlight. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, if you made it this far in the episode and you're watching on YouTube. Give us a like, subscribe, ding the notification bell so you always know every time that we post a new video. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, um, 
uh, any other podcasting sources that I've missed that uh, Anchor just puts us on anyway. Um, please, uh, you know, subscribe, download the episode, tell a friend. Um, when you go to Thanksgiving, uh, wait, this episode comes out after Thanksgiving. Um, when you're hanging out with your family the morning after Thanksgiving, <laughs> plug your speaker system and put it on 60 and blast the episode through your entire household. Yeah, on Black Friday when you get back from the shops, you know, all, all the stuff. While you're out on Black Friday, um, yeah. and, and I hope some of the chaos that we bring to this episode can can help you really power through your Black Friday shopping. Main stand running a Black Friday deal. All episodes are free to listen to. <laughs> About goddamn time. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all. paying to listen to these episodes. Yeah, nobody told me. I was five an episode, and then now we're here. Venmoing us all $5 when he listens. All right. Uh, I think that's enough from us. Uh, everybody, hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving, because this is coming out after. Have a wonderful yes. Thanksgiving. Uh, spend lots of money on Black Friday on kits that you want, uh, and we will all... See you next week. Deuces. Peace. Peace.